You guys, I'll just stretch out your hands towards uh, Pastor Alex. If you don't know, uh, he's recently received a promotion in the kingdom. And uh, actually, promotions in the kingdom, to us, they look like elevations. Um, in the kingdom, they're actually, uh, you drive deeper into servanthood. Uh, it's, a, it's actually, you get, like, to us, it seems like you're going up, but really, you're going lower. Uh, so um, so he's, he's, been, he's been named the senior pastor of this, of this church, of this house. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's honor him in that real quick, and then, and then we're going to pray a blessing over him. Come on. Lift him up. Yeah. So can you just stretch your hands towards him, if you would, please, and let's, let's, just, let's just bless this man. Father, um, I just pray uh, a David anointing over this man, that, that his cup uh, would overflow as you anoint him. Holy Spirit, I thank you even now. I can already sense your presence all over this man. Um, and I thank you for the ways that you are raising him up so that he can get lower. He, is, he has humbled himself uh, in, in due season so that he can be exalted by you, Lord. Um, but not to the height um, that would be seen by man, um, but only that which is regarded in, in heaven. Um, and, in, and in your kingdom. So I, I, I just release a David anointing over him because he is a man under authority, God. He regards spiritual authority, and, and there is an, a tremendous blessing that comes along with that. So I just um, I, I thank you for who he is as a brother and now a father in this house and in this valley, God, because we desperately need um, men. We need fathers for this valley. You are, drawing, you are drawing people to fathers, God, not to doctrines, not to denominations, but to fathers in this hour. And I thank you for the work you've done in this man and are doing. I pray an extra hedge of protection about his family, um, that no weapon against him, uh, 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 that formed against them shall prosper, um, that there would, be, there would be just an increased level of unity in his own family, uh, that there would be just a, a positioning of them as one unit that, that faces all that you have for them in the coming days and years. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, yeah guys, I don't... Um, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of ground I want to cover tonight, but um, but I actually I'm feeling really led to just continue in prayer for a moment. I hope you'll stay with me in unity on that. Um, uh, and if we could, I know like I know we're going for kind of an atmosphere, but I like to see people's faces. If we could get like house lights, I don't know like, if you guys sound booth people and light people and oh or senior pastor Alex already serving as senior pastor. All right, yeah, that'd be great. Yes, I just like to see faces and Chloe. Right, it's good to see you. Um, so a um, couple things. Uh, if you don't know, um, uh, Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church uh, had a, just a devastating loss this week. Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't really care where, where our doctrine and our theology is. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's really about the fact that regardless of what you think about him, he's, his work is spreading the gospel all over the world. Uh, Jesus is being preached because he was he was obedient a, a many many years ago, probably three decades now, um, and uh, and the scope of the influence through one man and one ministry has really gone worldwide. So we're going to honor that. We're just going to lift him up and his family. Uh, he lost his son to suicide this week, um, and it's also on my heart because I just heard that uh, another. Uh, a sibling of a young person in our own ministry is dealing with some of this stuff as well at the moment. So I think uh, I want to contend. Uh, I think it's a power. I think it's a principality. It's one of the two. It's one of the nasties that really just kind of sits over our nation, that thing of hopelessness. So let's just let's just wrestle a little bit, uh, but really release the, the Holy Spirit comforter over that family and those that are dealing with this. So if you have somebody on your heart, you can feel free to declare that too. We're just going to go after this for the moment. Father God, I just proclaim in the name of Jesus a breaking of the Spirit. Uh, in uh, we um, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Lord. But we actually stand in the gap right now uh, for those that are dealing with either the loss of a loved one. We lift up Pastor Warren to you in this time and in this hour. Uh, we ask Holy Spirit that you would pour out your Spirit of comfort on that family. Uh, and um, Jesus, I would ask that you would release a revelation of you in the earth uh, to those that are dealing with depression and suicide and hopelessness and despair, um, that, uh, that, that your light and your joy would go forth uh, and that it would be something that would inspire. There would be some kind of light that comes into their lives uh, that says, no, 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 this is still worth living. I still got you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. And if you would just turn, listen to my voice, hear me. Hear the voice of the Father calling you back because it, it's, it's, not, it's not too late and it's not too dark and you're not too far gone. There is still a hope and a purpose that I've planned for you. Let that be declared over those that are currently living in darkness. And, and in that darkness, let a light shine forth, God. Let it be from us. Let it be from your instrument, your church, your body, your bride, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thanks for agreeing with me, you guys. Hmm. You guys all right? You're so quiet. Okay, so uh, I'm starting a sermon series tonight called I Am, little I, capital A, capital M. And uh, it's kind of a four or five part series, and yet this first message is about five hours, and I have about 25 minutes to shrink it down into. So I'm hoping you'll bear with me. I'm really hoping the Spirit's just going to kind of guide this thing, because there's about 20 scriptures to cover, and I, don't, I won't be able to get to them all. Um, I'm going to start off by saying this. Uh, if I could, if I thought it had the power, um, I would carve this phrase onto uh, a piece of wood and then burn it if it meant that that phrase would be uh, eradicated from our vocabulary forever. Sinner saved by grace. I know that sounds bold because many of us, ha- ha- for a long time, and actually for all the right reasons, I mean, we've, we've positioned ourselves uh, for a couple decades uh, maybe maybe longer than that, because um, I think we started to see that in the eyes of the world, we were just coming across as judgmental. And so in a right heart, we started to say, in humility, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I get it. The, the fallacy in that is that if I'm just a sinner saved by grace, it actually puts a ceiling on my identity. Everything I'm going to talk about is about identity. Because... And, and I want you to get this. If you write nothing else down, write this down because it's the whole crux of the next five weeks that I'm going to be sharing with Earth and Fire. And we're going to, um, I got one of my team members working on trying to get us podcasted. So if you want to get the messages, feel free. It should be online. Should be. Where's Paul? See Paul there. All right. Right, Paul? Right? Just nod your head. There we go. All right. Oh, goodness. All right. If you get nothing else, get this. When you know who God is and you get a revelation of his identity, it will bring a revelation of your identity. Okay, if I shrink it down, it comes down to this. If I know who God is, I will know who I am. And whether you know it or not, what actually pervades your thoughts, it pervaded my thoughts when I was in in middle school and high school, uh, and even on into college, and, and, and sometimes this question just doesn't get answered and ends up messing us up for life, is who the heck am I? Now, if I'm only a sinner saved by grace, that's kind of like saying, like that's kind of like, okay, Jesus came into my life, I was blind, and... Now I'm just a blind person who happens to see. Are you following me? Like I'm still identifying myself in the wrong, in the old, in the what I in the in my lack, in my former lack. But I'm not that anymore. Once Jesus comes into my life and he becomes Lord, I'm no longer a sinner. That word actually doesn't even apply to me anymore. In in the kingdom, that identity is gone. He said, behold, I'm making all things new. Old things have gone. You're a new creation. You actually, literally, that word means you're a new creature. It's, it's, like, it's like, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this tonight because you, when we receive Jesus in this fullness, in that first move towards him, we actually become a different creature. I'm going to talk about tonight, but I want you to think about your favorite animal. Okay? Uh, uh, one, of, one of my spiritual daughters over here, Allie, her favorite animal is elephant. Okay? It's, it's like, I want you to think about... Becoming an elephant, like in a moment, like switching, like you, you're still a mammal, but you go from being a human being to being an elephant. That's how much of a drastic change in the spiritual realm happened when you received Jesus. I'm not just talking about, okay, I, I know he took away my sins, but received him and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm committing my life to walking with him. You became a new creation. So no longer a sinner saved by grace, but in fact, you're a saint. You are a saint at the level. And this is what I want to do, because this is where I'm starting tonight. Um, the Lord is doing uh, uh, an incredible work. We would call it new. It's really actually the, the oldest form of the church that he ever, he ever devised. We call it a new wineskin of the apostolic authority. God is actually, the Holy Spirit is actually transitioning the church, the bride, out of what's called denominationalism. Okay, that'll be a fun little word. I'm not sure if it'll appear on your SAT, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't study it. But, but 
how many of you know we're going to get to heaven and he's not going to say, hey, you were really good Baptist? Now, please hear me. I was, I was like, I was loving the Baptist this week. We, my wife and I went to a, a funeral last, last week, and this, this guy just genuinely loved Jesus. I mean, he just absolutely was in love with Jesus. And, um, but, I mean, I was amazed at, like, the revelation and the power uh, that, the, that, the, that the preachers brought. Now, I wouldn't consider myself a Baptist. I don't, like, identify with all of the doctrine or the theology. Now, they know the word. I mean, they know the word, okay? So I love that about them. I love the word, and I love that they know it. But there was just, I had this newfound respect for them. But I know that when I get to heaven, it's not like God's going to be like, you were a good non-denominational Christian. <laughs> He's just not going to do, you were a good Catholic. You Catholic that thing up. It was awesome. Yo, AG, that was some good AG and you were doing down there. That's just, he just, it's not. That's just not how he's working this whole thing up. And so God's doing this new work, which is actually the oldest work since he found, founded this whole thing. In Ephesians 4.11, he said, he gave some, God gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He actually, he actually gave the church five different types of leaders to equip us, to build us up, to go out and actually do the work of the ministry. We messed it up in a whole variety of different ways, but uh, along the way. And so we've gotten to this place where uh, instead of us equipping you to go out and actually preach the gospel and, and walk in signs, wonders, and miracles, we've made it your job just to invite people to church and hopefully we preach just the right persuasive message and they'll be like, okay, I believe in this Jesus and here we go and I'll just study my Bible for the rest of my life and hopefully I'll make it in. When in fact... It has nothing to do with anybody that has a microphone or anybody that preaches a really loud, rousing sermon. And it has everything to do with just somehow imparting skills to you where you can go out and you'd be like, whoa, dude, Jesus saves. And they're like, seriously? Yeah, watch this. So his new work that he's doing is actually an old work. It's a restoring work. It's a redemptive work. And I, I, I say all that to bring us back to this. I want to I wanna just highlight just a couple ways to look at Jesus tonight, at who this awesome King of Kings is through the, through the lens of this fivefold ministry. Everything is going to spin and end up at the revelation of Jesus as the sent Son of God. I think Messiah means anointed one. I think Christ means sent one. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure it's in the Greek somewhere and one of those two is right. But the, there's, a, there's a revelation to be had that in fact, when, the, when it was made known to Jesus that one of them had had it, one of the disciples had had it, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because like, up until this point, Jesus is like doing miracles. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And all, the, all of a sudden, he asks the disciples this question, who do people say that I am? Not the Pharisees. He knew what the Pharisees thought of him. He was a teacher and, and kind of an okay one. I mean, they, they weren't giving him much credit. But he said, who do people say that I am? And, the, and they started listing off prophets. They said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say maybe Isaiah. Some, like maybe Jeremiah. Just, they started because up until that point in history, there was, no other, uh, there was no other level of authority that the nation of Israel knew than prophet. I mean, to, know, to hear the voice of God or to commune with God or, or to be face-to-face -face with God, to, to their mind, there was no other, there, it couldn't get better than that. So they're like, they think you're a prophet. They think you're one of the prophets. Maybe you come back. Maybe there's reincarnation. We don't know. Jesus says this. He turns, he turns to his disciples. He says, who do you say that I am? This is fascinating because you'll see this type of thing reflected all throughout the Gospels. Jesus was always uh, interacting with people based on who they thought he was. Uh, if you notice the rich young ruler, okay? Rich young ruler says, comes and says to him, good teacher. Calls him good teacher. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus doesn't respond right away to the, to the question. He actually says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Why is he saying that? There's actually, there's actually no response right after that. And then he goes on to answer the question. He says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. He wanted to find out, are you calling me good teacher because I'm God or because you think I'm a teacher? because I'm going to answer your question based on what you, what you think I am. 
You'll notice it doesn't give a space there, but it's like a cricket, cricket moment right after that. And then he goes on to answer the question. Notice, though, he answers that question by quoting off things a teacher would quote off. Okay, don't murder, don't steal, don't honor your parents, la, la, la. He, he talks on a teacher level after that because clearly this guy has not had a revelation that he is, in fact, the son of God. Because that would elevate things. Then all of a sudden, then, then all of a sudden he can talk to him on a level. Okay, it's been revealed to you that I'm the son of God. Let's talk. Jesus says to his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter comes out with the most extraordinary revelation that any human being could ever have been gifted from God above. You're the son of God. (laughs) You could almost see Jesus being like, hello. Blessed are you, Simon Barjon. Like, why is he blessed? I mean, why is he blessed? Why is he proclaiming blessing over him just for figuring out that, like, he's the son of God? Unless there is a foundational understanding to have about who this Jesus is above a prophet. I mean, if somebody's regarded as a prophet, it was like, that was, that was big news back then because they hadn't seen prophets for 400 years. Nobody who walked in this kind of anointing and all of a sudden, there's miracles. And, all of a sudden, and they're like, oh, he must be a prophet. Peter says, no, you're the son of God. He actually raised the high watermark for who Jesus was and it's like, oh man, you actually know. You actually know the fullness of who is talking to you. So everything about this identity, that I, I want to I land this, this foundation stone for you to pray on and to consider and to meditate on. There is no higher rank in the kingdom than sonship. There is no higher rank in the kingdom than sonship. I want to propose to you tonight that the reason that he then, he then said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my God, my Father who is in heaven revealed this. He actually supernaturally gave Peter the recognition that Jesus was the Son of God. And then he goes on to say, Now I call you Peter, small stone, small rock, and upon this big rock, the revelation of who I am. Small rock, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to identify you, Peter, now with this revelation. You're no longer called Simon Barjona. You are now called Peter. Why? Because this revelation was gifted to you, and it'll now be known as your identity. It'll now be known as who you are, that you had a revelation. You were the first one to have a revelation that I actually hold the highest place in the kingdom. And because of that, what did I say in the beginning? If I have a revelation of who he is, it will change the revelation of who I am. Peter got a new name. Peter got a new name. He got a new identity. In the moment that we actually have the spiritual revelation, this is the Son of God. Immediately, it changes the revelation, so am I. It changes our understanding. Because he is, now I'm something different. Let's reel it back in. Because that's actually the end game of this whole thing where we're going. Because here's the thing. What I have discovered is that you can have revelations of who Jesus is. But there are actually prerequisite understandings that if we don't walk in, we actually don't get to the fullness of the expression in our own lives about who we are. Stay with me. That's, just, that's kind of a preamble to where I'm going to go next. You ever notice how many songs we sing about surrender? Always about. I I looked up that word. It's like there's like five times in the Bible it's spoken, and it never talks about surrendering to Jesus. And so I started thinking about that word, and it's like, okay, if that's, if that's, is that just maybe a now cultural word? I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't use surrender in a daily basis. I mean, it's not like I, I just be like, yes, I, I surrender my money to you, Subway, because I really want this buy one, get one free, you know, breakfast, you know, sandwich for the day. I mean, like, I don't, I don't do that, you know? So it's like, I'm thinking, like, why do we keep using that word? Why do we keep singing that word? And I want to, I just want to put it in front of you tonight. I believe part of the reason we sing so many songs about surrender is because I think 
there's a really warped understanding we have about confession and repentance, that when we have a revelation of who Jesus is, whether in a sermon or, or in a worship experience or, or a powerful move of God in our, in our home churches or whatever, and, and we're, 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 we know we're drawn to the altar or we're drawn to a place of dec- declaring something over our lives or something new, and, 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 but if my, if my understanding of who God is doesn't really change I don't really shift. And so we keep singing these songs about surrender because we come to the altar and we say we give up a bunch of stuff and then and, and, and we say, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender all. And then we go out and we find out we didn't actually surrender everything. And so we come back to the altar and we just keep dropping stuff, okay? We'll be like, okay, I didn't give that up, didn't give that up. And, and, and so much of this walk somehow becomes about all this stuff, we just all this baggage we haven't unloaded yet. I think part of the reason for that is because most of us don't really know when we say, okay, I'm saved, I, I'm not sure we really get that. I told you I was going to use the, the five-fold model. At the beginning of this whole thing is the evangelist. Evangelists burn for the lost. I mean, they just, they get up in the morning, they're thinking about who they can share Jesus with that day. Some of you are already, like, you have seeds of desire that are already kind of burning in your hearts for be like, okay, I, I, got, I just got to get people saved. You know, it's just, it's just, it's in you. And you're like, or you'll hear a message from, you know, from somebody and you'll be like, it still resonates with you because they're talking about, we got to go and win the lost. And you're like, yeah. And on that level, at the level of the evangelist, we know Jesus as savior. We know him as deliverer. We know him as healer. We know him as, even, even in the Holy Spirit realm, we know him as, as an empowerer. There were, there were times, there were times in scripture where uh, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, okay, somebody got saved by Jesus and baptized here, and then like four years later, they grew to a place where they could finally get baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, there was, there was, there were countless times in scripture where it was, where it was like, boom, saved, baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay, I'm not messing with your theology tonight, but like speaking in tongues and prophesying and boom, and like hearing, you know, hearing the, the gospel spoken in different languages and just boom, they were off to the races. It was just, here we go. And so there's something about that initial playing field that's like really, it's actually more powerful than we think it is. We get up from our first salvation experience and be like, okay, I'm going to try not to swear tomorrow. You know, it's like, what really happened here? You know, it's and and it's amazing to me. You know, and um, if you're logging this, I invite you to just chew on this scripture. This is like this is one of the hardest to swallow. If you can swallow the scripture, you can like swallow all of the Sermon on the Mount. And it's it's Matthew seven. Uh, and it's verse 21. Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Now, all of those things I want to propose to you are all at the base level of understanding. I believe at our understanding of Jesus as Savior, I think all of those things come into, uh, come into reach. The gift, uh, Paul says it this way, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God actually deposited spiritual gifts into you the moment you were saved, whether in seed form or in full form. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. This is part of the reason why you, you can have ministers of the gospel all over the world who will work in amazing power and, and miracles and wonders, and yet they have no character to save their life. And you're kind of like, wait a minute, what the heck? I thought this was about sanctification and holiness and purity, and I got to have my heart right. And then, like, then he'll like, give me stuff, and then I'll like, work the gospel. And people will be like, whoa, man, that's cool. And be like, no, it was Jesus, not me. But, that, like, but I, think this is, I think it's possible. I think it's possible to enter in Jesus as Savior and have such a powerful revelation of him in that moment. My gosh, not only, uh, I, he just, he took away the sins of the world. He took away the sins of the world. He became sin who knew no sin. And it can blow your mind. You'd be like, Jesus, it's all about you. Let's go. But my revelation hasn't gone past the, the position of Savior. So we can come to the altar time after time after time after time. And if I only ever know him as Savior... I actually put a ceiling on my ability to walk in that knowledge. Why? Because if his identity as Savior means I'm now a saint, like that's great, but I don't go past that point. 
okay, so stay with me. So, so we have these people at the end of time who are going to be like, we prophesied stuff in your name. We cast out demons. You understand? You don't have to be saved to cast out demons in Jesus' name. People did it. And the disciples came to Jesus, and they were like, listen, there were these dudes over here. They don't follow you. They would be like, in Jesus' name, be cast out, and like demons would be cast out. Be like, it's all right. Whoever's, you know, for us is not against us. It's all right. You don't have to be saved to cast out demons. Done many wonders in your name. And then he says this. It's one of the most sobering places in all of scripture. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Are you kidding? We did X, Y, Z in your name, in Jesus' name. You, didn't you say all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Doesn't it say if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, they'll be saved? How is it possible that we can call you Lord and at the end of time you say you never knew me? I want to propose to you tonight. Y'all might think it's heresy, but I'm friends with almost all of you, so I think you'll forgive me. And for those of you that were not, let's get together. I like iced coffees from Dunkin' Donuts, the butter pecan flavor. Somebody say hallelujah. Dude, you have no idea. It's so good. I want to propose to you tonight We don't gain entrance to heaven at the Savior level. There are five ministries in the fivefold ministry, (laughs) obviously. That was was profound, Sean. That was so good. You get Holy Ghost on that revelation. (laughs) Woo! It was good. That's a good one for the podcast right there. If you're listening at home, I'm sorry, I just wasted the last 30 seconds of your life. Okay. <laughs> at the Savior level, I don't, think, I don't think we get everlasting, I should say, salvation. I think, we can, I think we can get a measure of identity change. I don't think we get a lasting one. I want you to stay with me on this because I'm going to rapid fire where we're about to go. Everything is about knowing him as Lord. All of those scriptures talk about Lord. Here's the thing. Why is that one saying a whole bunch of people are going to say he's Lord, Lord, and I don't get into heaven? There's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, at the end of this whole story, it says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe that's part, that's part of this thing. There's going to be a whole lot of people that call him Lord because, my gosh, he's Lord, and we'll recognize him as that. But we, may, but we may not necessarily, if we haven't had the relationship aspect, everything is about relationship. If we don't have the relationship aspect of him as Lord, we don't get it. We can call him Lord because we're going to. Even the demons are going to get down on their knee and say he's Lord. So there's, there's something else. There's just another, another piece to this that, that we need to get. And, um, and we get to the pastor level. We've talked about the evangelist level, now we're at the pastor level. And at the pastor level, another name for a pastor, another name for a leader at this level is shepherd. This one's huge. Shepherd. We throw around the word Lord a lot. We don't really get it. So I'm going to spend a lot of time as shepherd. But every, anytime I'm saying shepherd, I'm equating it with pastoral level as well as Lord. Okay, so stay with me. you got your Bibles. I'm going to be in John 10 for a little bit here. Y'all still good? Turn to your neighbor and say, you looking good. Oh, you guys are so sweet to each other. I love it. Okay. In chapter 10, Jesus starts 
giving revelation, start preaching about his own identity as the good shepherd, as the true shepherd. Stay with me, underline, highlight where you want to. Verse 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Everyone say shepherd. Number three, uh, verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Everyone say hear. And he calls his own sheep by name. Everyone say by name. And leads them out. The sheep hear his voice, calls them by name, he leads them out. Verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Everyone say, follow him. Now, I'm going to stop there for one second. We're going to stay right there, don't move off, the, off that scripture. Notice that the commonality between every single disciple of Jesus in the Gospels was either he said, follow me, and they did, or it would say something like, they forsook all and followed him. There's an element about this, like Peter would have this ridiculous encounter with God. And, and oh man, I wish you guys were around for Bart Willoughby. He had a great word on this whole thing about, about the fishing and the nets and all this other stuff. Peter lets down a net because the Lord tells him to, even though he's fishing all night long. You got to remember, talk to Pastor Don sometime about what it means to fish with bink honking nets in the ocean. You know, we're not talking about, okay, I'm going to be lazy, sit around and cast a line out into, out, out into the ocean and hope something bites. This is like big honking burly nets. Most of us would be like, oh, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. No, no, no. These guys were tired. They were tired. He's like, okay, so he throws a net in. They pull in a catch they cannot contain. There's a whole world of revelation in here, but the, but the point is this. Peter has an encounter. The fishermen have an encounter. It rocks their world. It rocks their world. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. When they get back to shore, it says they forsook all and followed him. It, it wasn't enough that they had a revelation that he's supernatural. It wasn't enough that they had a revelation that he was, he was what he was teaching. I mean, he would teach, and then he'd be like, hey, Let's catch some fish. And they'd be like, dude, we've been fishing all night. We got zip. Boom, 153 fish, more than they can actually pick up with their own nets. I mean, and, and there's, a, there's an understanding. You're ridiculous. Like, you're supernaturally, awe-inspiringly redonkulous. That's where we usually leave Jesus. You're awesome. You're great. You're wonderful. You work miracles. In your name, demons go. Like, it's your name. Just your name. No one can cast out a name, in, uh, cast out a demon in the name of Sean. But in the name of Jesus, darkness has to bow in the presence of the true light. Revelation. They didn't leave it there. They forsook all and followed him. Why? Because he's a shepherd. And a shepherd leads sheep, and sheep follow the shepherd. We get here and we re receive Jesus at the evangelist savior level and say, you're awesome and you took away my sins, and I thank you for taking away my sins. You took away the sins of the world. I can never fully wrap my head around that, but you did it. And, and, and I'm so glad that I can, I can pour these, this darkness out and leave it, and I can walk out of here clean. I can walk out of here pure. And I thank you, God, for that, that un understanding and that knowledge. But how many of you know when Jesus talked about 10 women. He talked about 10 virgins. They were pure. Five got into heaven, five did not. Understand, they all had the same experience. They all had the same relationship. 10 virgins. They, they were even given a gift by the bridegroom. Allie was just sharing a great thing at Club Impact the other day about Jewish culture, that like in Jewish culture with weddings, like the bridegroom would come to the bride before the wedding, give a gift, and then go and prepare a place for where they were going to reside together. Come on. That's just Jesus. And so he leaves a gift. What does he leave? He leaves them with a lamp. 
Five of them do one thing. The only difference was this. Five of them, five of them had oil. They kept oil. They bought oil. They purchased oil. They made sure they had oil. They were constantly trimming the lamps. The other five had the lamps. They had purity. They had virginity. They had righteousness. They, they, actually, they actually had an understanding of who their bridegroom was that they were going to be able to spend their life with. But the one thing that kept them out, and isn't this fascinating, Jesus didn't say, at the end of that whole passage, he didn't say, he didn't call me, like, and, oh, no, my gosh, he did say this. They called him, they all called him, Lord, Lord, let us in. He says, I never knew you. How is this possible? The oil was the only difference? And he's saying, I don't know you? Here's the difference. The oil costs something. The preparation to walk with, follow, and know that there is a bridegroom who is walking towards me as I speak across the realm of time. There's a bridegroom coming. When I got saved at the Savior level, I, I, I became clean, I got my lamp, and I went out to meet him. While he was tarrying, I didn't buy any oil. I didn't spend any time in the word. I didn't get around other believers. I didn't, I didn't spend any time in the house. I didn't learn how to worship. I didn't, learn, I didn't learn the nature of God. I didn't learn the ways of God. I didn't spend my most precious resource in continuous pursuit of this incredible bridegroom. And that resource is time. The wise virgin said, Go buy yourself some oil. It was too late. What did Jesus say? I don't know you. This is all about relationship. This is all about relationship. Don't trust any doctrine. Don't trust any theology that doesn't have relationship at its central core. This is all about him knowing us and us knowing him. Ain't this a thing? I'm still in John 10. I love this scripture. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you. I told you and you did not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. I'm, do, I'm, do, I'm doing everything supernatural to convince you you're not getting it. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Verse 27, take a look at this. My sheep hear my voice. And I what? Know them. And they follow me. Take a look at this next because this is the zinger right here, 28 and 29. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Do you get this? There is an understanding. You can have such a relationship with the Lord like I'm not, I'm not, this is beyond the argument between eternal security and you can lose your salvation. This is understanding you can have such a relationship where you are in the palm of Jesus' hand and you know what? The Father's hand, right underneath it. And it's almost, and it's almost a spit in the face to the devil. I dare you try to snatch them out of my hand because I'll punch you in the face. I did it once in the angelic realm, and I did it again in the most pivotal moment in human history. You didn't even know what was coming, because in that one fell swoop of a moment, not only did I take a nation of Israel and bring them back into a place where, where I tore the veil in two, my spirit went out into the earth. I didn't just give you one nation to contend with. Now I made it possible for every single nation on earth past, present, and future to know me as their savior, as their shepherd, as their teacher, as their prophet, as the son of the most high. Come on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. You want to know if you're saved? You only have to ask yourself one question. Are you a sheep? 
this is the cost. This is the oil. Because if I become a sheep, remember when I talked about becoming a new creation? You don't get to be a human being anymore. You don't get your opinions anymore. You don't get your sports anymore. You don't get your unsaved boyfriends and girlfriends anymore. You don't get, you don't get the unrighteousness. You don't get the video games. You don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Why? Because sheep do this. They follow. They follow and they hear. Everyone say follow and hear. That's it. Sean, that's it? That's my whole life? No. There's three more levels to understanding who Jesus is. We're not there yet. I will say this. At the teacher level, I'll give you a a brief snippet because not all of you will obviously be with us in future weeks, but at the teacher level, he doesn't teach you what to think. He teaches you how to think. That's where you get a revelation understanding because the only way to come out of being a sheep and back into into an understanding of who I really am is for him to teach you. He teaches you how to think. He teaches you that you're royalty. He teaches you that you're a warrior. He teaches you, he teaches you that you're all these kinds of, you're a chosen race and a royal priesthood and just people for God's own possession called out of darkness into his marvelous light to proclaim the excellencies of him. One of the dangers that our church, I'm talking the global church, not just us, has slipped into is that we want to receive Jesus as a teacher before we ever became a sheep. This is why you have in churches and between churches all these contentions about doctrine. Oh, I don't really believe that. Oh, I don't really believe that. Oh, I don't really believe that. You know why? You never learned how to hear the voice of the Lord. You never learned how to be led by the Spirit. Because if so, you would have actually found out, oh, they were all right in some way. They were all reading the same scripture. They were all getting revelation in some way. I just, I, I thought it was, oh, you, if you're right, that means I'm wrong. I can't deal with that. But a person, Jesus said it this way, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses it for my sake will find it. When I lose my life for his sake, I become a sheep. But in becoming a sheep and following the voice of the Lord, following this amazing shepherd, I actually find life. You've heard this a zillion times. You die so that you can live. We don't get to do this on our terms. We don't get to receive Jesus. Okay, I got him as Savior. I don't really like the sheep thing because that means I have to learn how to trust someone. I have to put my faith in somebody that I can't see, a leading that I don't know where he's going. He's going to ask me to do things. I'm not, going to, I'm not sure why he's asking me to do them. Sheep don't get to make many decisions. He'll still let you drink, go to the bathroom, Um, listen, and you get a one-word vocabulary. Because, Because to know God, you have to become a sheep. And you only have two things you have to do. Follow, hear. And if you want, you can choose either direction. You can hear and then follow, or you can follow and hear. It doesn't matter. It's your call. Either way, those are your, that's your directive. Isn't it fascinating that when the disciples um, chose to become disciples of Jesus, it didn't say they believed. It said they followed. It's a revelation. Let me give you the last two pieces, then I'm going to come back to this. It's a revelation. 
the teacher level, like I said. He doesn't teach you what to think anymore. At the sheep level, he's teaching you what to think. All you got to do, listen. At the teacher level, he's going to teach you how to think. At the prophet level, that's where we become friends of God. All the disciples got to a place where he said, where he said this, I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you slaves. Now I call you friends. Why? Because a friend knows what his master is doing. You'll actually, at the, at the level where I received Jesus in the prophetic anointing, in the understanding of him as the, at one of these high watermarks, in that way, now not only do I hear him, not only has he taught me how to think, but at that place, I'm his friend. This is where sometimes you're going to hear him say why he's asking you to do something. He told the disciples, it was one of the last things he told them. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to disclose the, thing, the things to you that are spoken about between me and my father. How would you like to be a fly on that wall? The discussion I have with my father, the Holy Spirit's going to listen, search out what's good for you, and then he's going to impart it to you. And then we talked about the level of the Son of God. We become sons. We're no longer friends. We're sons. Now, here's the thing. At that level, if, if, if we've really received Jesus in the fullness of these five levels, we never, we never really morph out of any one of them. Like, I, there's no place where I stop being a sheep. When he tells me to do something, I do it. At the level of the teacher, he still teaches me how to think throughout my entire life. At the level of a friend, he's always going to relate to me on, on, on the level of a friend. And then as a son, I, I never lose any one of those understandings. But I will not walk, I will not walk in the identity of a friend if I was never a sheep. Last last place I want to go, Psalm 23. My gosh. Probably the most quoted psalm, one of the most quoted scriptures anywhere, everywhere throughout time. And there's so much revelation here, it's ridiculous. David says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Guys, this was only written one other place in scripture prior to this, and that was talking, it was, it's buried in this Genesis scripture about, with, with Israel and his son Joseph. And David, you got to remember, was a shepherd. He learned something about the relationship between him and his own sheep. That, like, there was a protective influence of, of understanding when that bear comes, I'm taking it down. When the wolf comes, I'm taking it down. Like, there's just, there's something about knowing his relationship to his sheep. And here he is, he is he's, a, he's a skillful musician. The scripture calls him a sweet psalmist, constantly writing songs, constantly worshiping the Lord. I want you to notice a couple things here. He starts off with this revelation. You can just see him singing on, singing on some hillside somewhere. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that word also means lack. When you understand Jesus as your shepherd, you'll actually stop wanting stuff. Oh, that's convicting, isn't it? I really want a simply sack chair. Like it's, if you don't know, it's like the most comfortable beanbag chair on the planet. It's like one of those that like takes up half a room. The Lord told me a couple months ago, yeah, you need to stop wanting that thing. When I have Jesus as my shepherd, I shall not want. What about the iPhone? I shall not want. What about the next Bioshock Infinite? I don't care what that video game is. I shall not want. Latest upgrade to World of Warcraft. I shall not want. God, I really want a boyfriend. I re really want a girlfriend. I shall not want. Guys, hear me. I'm not dis I need you to make a distinction in your minds. I'm not talking about self-denial. I'm talking about receiving a relationship with Jesus that actually brings you to a revelation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I am free of desire except for him. Stay with me. This gets ridiculous. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leads me beside still waters. I love this because when, when the gospel of John, when he's reporting Jesus' words about being the true shepherd, being the good shepherd, Jesus said I lead, the good shepherd leads them in and out, and they're constantly finding pasture. Like as they go in and out, they're constantly. So no matter what, in my relationship with Jesus as the shepherd, I'm constantly in a place of pasture. I'm constantly in a place of provision. I'm constantly in a, in a place of prosperity. Everywhere I go, oh my gosh, blessing, 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 blessing. I have more than I need. He leads me beside the still waters. Dr. Wayne told me this. He said, shepherds, um, they'll, take, they'll take sheep by, uh, by the side of a brook. Sheep have these, like, these snouts that like that their um that their nostrils are like right there right near where their mouth is so they can take in water. And so if they actually get close to like water, too close to water and they and they're not they just don't have the the ability to really get to where it is, they can drown really easily because where their noses are and, and that kind of thing. So the shepherd shepherd actually finds like a little nook or an alcove where the water isn't moving too much, digs kind of a trench so that the water kind of spills in and just stays right there. The Lord does that for us. He actually takes us beside, and when it says it leads me beside still waters, he, he actually creates a space so that we can drink, so that we can have the provision that we need without any kind of uh, uh, ma- um, manipulation of it. He restores my soul. David's done talking in metaphor. He just starts, he just starts landing in the Lord's my shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Watch this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Did you notice he's gone from talking about the Lord to talking to the Lord? He was just saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He restores my soul. Third person. All of a sudden, he's here. Why? David discovered. This is one of the reasons I really believe David was a man after God's own heart. David discovered that when I praise the Lord, he inhabits the praise of his people. The spirit of the Lord actually inhabits the atmosphere that he starts praising. David starts praising in that first stanza. All of a sudden, the Lord shows up. Now he can talk to him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Watch this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't this fascinating? The very instruments that a shepherd uses to discipline and, and keep in line are the very things that actually bring us comfort. Why? Because those are the things, those are meant to actually control the enemy. The rod and the staff are weapons of the shepherd. Like they, yes, they're used to kind of rein the sheep in, but those are the things he's going to use to knock out that fox. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Isn't it interesting? We've left being a sheep and now we're a man in the midst of a battlefield. David got this. My cup runs over. Watch this. (laughs) He's gone from following to being followed. Watch this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Putting myself in a position where I become a sheep that follows a shepherd, I actually have a new identity where everything is about him and what he provides for me. And I get to a place where I actually am elevated back to the status of a man, but now I'm so much more than a man. And not only am I still following the shepherd of my soul, but goodness and mercy are following me in the wake of me. So our response tonight is actually uber simple. You can become a sheep if you're not one. Here's what's cool. If you know that you've been at a place with the Lord where, like, he's been Savior but not Shepherd, Savior but not Lord, you're going to get, you just get an opportunity tonight. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have your first supernatural experience if you receive him as Shepherd tonight. Why? You're going to hear his voice. He says, I know them by name. I call them by name. So you're either going to hear him speak your name the moment you make a declaration that he's your shepherd tonight for real, 
or he's going to tell you something he hasn't told you. You're like some familiar voice is going to be inside of you that you know is not you. And you'll be like, oh, that's the Lord. I once got sick of just going to my to the to Jesus with just, you know, my your usual laundry list of prayers, like pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. Why? Because you ask it, it'll be given to you. And um, and I just sat down one day and I said, Jesus, just tell me something about you. To be honest with you, I wasn't expecting to hear anything back immediately. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. I was like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> but that was it. I was just, tell me something about you. He's the word of God, guys. It's really hard for him to not have something to say. If you're not a sheep tonight, you can become one. You decide. He never pushed this one. Salvation is his. It's the easiest thing in the world to, to know Jesus as Savior. Knowing him as a shepherd will cost you everything. You get to decide, though. He doesn't force that issue. Some of you in here are already his sheep, but you've begun to doubt your ability to hear the voice of the Lord. I want everybody in the room right now to just say this. I hear from God just fine. You do. If you're a sheep, if you're a sheep of the Lord, if you're a true believer in Jesus, you, like it's actually written into your spiritual DNA to hear the voice of the Lord. Just say it again. I hear the Lord just fine. <laughs> nice job, Nate. And I'll just, I'll leave you with this piece with regards to that. Um, part of the reason you may have begun to doubt your ability to hear the voice of the Lord is this. Um, you may not have done the last thing he told you to do. He doesn't, he doesn't always do that. He doesn't always do that. I'm not going to put an always. I'm not going to put a 100% disclaimer on that one. It's, it's not an always thing. But, so, but sometimes um, he won't speak to us past our last point of disobedience. So just if, if, you've, if you've been troubled lately in terms of hearing his voice, just go back to the last thing you remember him telling you and ask yourself if you acted on it or not. Trust me, there's no condemnation. I'm not reading anybody's mail. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a heart check. You guys good? I'm going to borrow from Bart. Smile at me. Okay. Um, yeah, we're already getting close to time, so um, I'm going to get on the keys for a little bit, but um, I just want to give you an opportunity. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've never been a sheep, if you've never known the Lord as your shepherd, with what we're talking about tonight, um, not only do I invite you to do that, decide, decide, decide. This, like, it, to, like I, I don't think scripture could be any more clear. It's the defining, it's the defining issue between in heaven or not. Really, like at the end of this whole story, it's, hear me when I say this, it's not about heaven, but it's about heaven. You know, because it's, it's not just like I get my ticket to heaven and I'm good to go. It's Because that's, that's what the five virgins, the foolish one, thought. I'm good. I'll just, I'll just bide my time until he's coming. Stink. Where's my oil? But your life, when you choose to become a sheep and Jesus is your shepherd, your life becomes such where your agenda becomes pulling heaven into earth. That's why Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, 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 the forward motion of our lives becomes about translating that atmosphere here. That's the, first, that's the first order of business for a sheep. Okay. How will I know? <laughs> this is going to be a hard one. How will I know um, if I've really submitted myself to the shepherd? Ready for this? Submit yourself to an under-shepherd. Ask yourself, who are the spiritual authorities in my life and to what level do I listen to them? Why? Because under-shepherds are really good at hearing the voice of the Lord. And they can coach you into hearing the voice of the Lord more keenly. But if you have a broken relationship with your pastor or your youth pastor, I advise you wholeheartedly, restore that. If your parents are your spiritual um, authorities and your advisors, restore that relationship. I walked in disobedience to you. You may not see the Lord in it. You may not understand why they're asking you to do it. It may seem like the most unreasonable counsel. Trust me, they're looking out for your souls. 
That's a deal breaker, isn't it? Okay. Let's pray. And then um, I just want to, the altar is available to you. But it's not available for just knowing Jesus as Savior tonight. It's about knowing Jesus as your shepherd, as Lord. He speaks. I say, all right, let's go. Let's do this. Father, I just, I thank you for such incredible night of being able to be saturated and sense your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you that already you're, you're moving on our hearts and uh, just bringing us to a place of repentance, a place of uh, turning, a turning point in our lives where things are just going to be different. Choices that we used to make, they're just, they're not, they're not going to hold the weight that they once did. I'm not going to do the things that I do just because I've always done them, but I'm going to wait for your word, God. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to follow you. Thank you tonight. In Jesus' name.